Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. series now, now that we finished the first four, and we're going to continue with the, the remaining six early in the new year, and now we're going to start the next few Sundays talk about Christmas more uh, in detail, and so we're going to do that, a little bit of that today as well, talk about Christmas, because we are rapidly approaching the end of the year here, it's coming very quickly, and Christmas is just around the corner. Now I'm sure like many of you are like me, that when you think about Christmas, there are these certain ideas and impressions that, that come to your mind. If you think about Christmas, you might think about where you will be this year. Are you traveling or are you staying home? You might be thinking about which family members you're going to see that you haven't seen in a long time. And of course, if you think about Christmas, you can think about that big meal you share with, with the, those loved ones, those family members. But whatever your traditions might be during Christmas, we all have these certain thoughts and, and experiences that come to our minds, these feelings that come to our minds during the season. And I know for the kids, they mostly think about a certain thing, right? They usually just think about those uh, presents that might be waiting for them under the Christmas tree. And it's because we are at the end of the year, it's always good for us to look back and to reflect, to look back and to reflect what has happened over the last 12 months. It's good for us to slow down and reflect on the way we have seen God's grace at work in our lives. Maybe it wasn't your job. You could see how God's hand of grace led you to this, this new job or how He's even sustained you in the one you are in. Maybe it's your health. How God gave you or is giving you the grace to recover and keep on going. Maybe it's even your marriage where we've celebrated so many new marriages this year. Maybe you've seen how God has brought you closer to your spouse. Yes, you recognize communication still needs improvement, but at least there's movement. Maybe it's your new friendships with others in the church. You're thankful for God's grace and, and these new relationships. Whatever it might be, I'm sure that all of us can think of ways we've experienced God's grace in 2021. But I wonder, as you step back and think about this last year, have you noticed any specific areas that you would like to grow in or change? In other words, can you identify any specific areas in your life that you want to be different in 2022? Because here's the thing. Christmas reminds us that change is possible. Christmas reminds us that change is possible. 
Yes, it reminds me of the Christmas tree, my parents, and family, food, and fellowship. But the message of Christmas reminds us that anyone can change. You see, we've been studying the law of God over the last few weeks. And one of the things that happens when you study God's law is it reveals to us where we fail. It reveals to us where we need to change. And the more we come to understand who God is and how holy He is, the more we sense our need for His grace. But if you're one of those people who looks at their life, and maybe you sense some conviction at some level that you need to change, but you don't really think it's possible anymore. It's too hard. You have all these habits and it's just too difficult to change. Well, maybe you just simply think change is not that important anymore. Then you are basically rejecting what Christmas is all about. You see, to be mindful of the way grace is at work in our lives and to actively pursue change in our lives is something we'll do until Jesus comes back. But the message of Christmas reminds us that change is possible. Being lazy and watching too much TV can change. Having a short fuse and being easily irritated can change. Speaking with a harsh tone can change. Thinking impure thoughts all the time can change. Being controlled what other people think about you can change. Relying on your own strength to change can change. I want us to go into this Christmas season remembering that change is possible because God's grace has come to our lives. Turn with me, if you haven't done already, to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, and he wants to encourage him to keep going in the ministry. In the first half of chapter 1, Paul is addressing the issue of false teaching. We have these people who are spreading their own ideas of what it means to be religious, and they were seeking to gather a following, and then basically lead people astray down the wrong path. And Paul is calling on Timothy to protect and defend the truth. He writes in chapter 1 verse 5, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. And specifically there's this issue about how they are using the law. Paul writes in verse 7, designed to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that our conscience is this inner judge that tells us when we've done something wrong, which is a good thing. And that is what happens when you look at God's law. It brings conviction. Like when we study with the four, first four commandments, these the past four, four weeks. Maybe you've sensed a conviction about some of the idols in your own life. How you've been worshipping God on your own terms. That you've been taking His name in vain or that you've not been resting in His grace. But these false teachers were using God's law in the wrong way instead of using it to point people to Jesus. They wanted to get people to become trapped again. Basically wanting to take their freedom away. But Paul then says in verse 8, now we know that the law is good 
if one uses it lawfully. Paul is saying that there's a right way to use God's law today. In a way that reveals where we need to change. That guides us in the process of change. But it also points us to the truth of the, the only person that can truly change us. Which is Jesus. See Paul as he's thinking about the law and the gospel becomes aware of, of how God has worked in his own life. How God has changed him. And he's so caught up in thinking about God's mercy and his grace as he's writing Timothy here. It's like Paul has to pause for a moment here in verses 12 to 17. He has to pause and to reflect and worship. Reflect on the grace of God that is at work in his life. And how that grace has changed his life. But also how this change in his life is used by God, not just for himself, but also to impact other people. Because the message of Christmas gives us hope. Because the message of Christmas is that anyone can change. Jesus came into this world for a purpose. And that purpose is to change us. And what Paul is showing us is that the more we reflect on what God has done in our own lives through His grace, the more we will be excited for what He will continue to do in our lives through His grace. In other words, as you hear God's Word, as you look at His law, as you look at Jesus, as you come to worship Him this Christmas, we need to come with hearts that says, I want to change. I want to change. Because that's what the message of Christmas does. It reminds us that change is possible because if you're a true believer, it's already changed you. If you're a true Christian here today, God has already changed you. And so we're going to look at verses 12 to 17 today of 1 Timothy. And we're going to see that what we should be thinking about as we approach Christmas this year. What truth should be on our hearts and on our minds as we surround ourselves with family and friends. Because what we will see is that as we come to celebrate Christmas, it reminds us firstly to be thankful for the reality of change. Thankful for the reality of change. Secondly, we're going to see to be thankful for the message of change. And then thirdly, to be thankful for the person of change. Well, firstly, Christmas reminds us to be thankful for the reality of change. Let's read verse 12 again. I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He has judged me faithful appointing me to his service through, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You see, as Paul's writing to Timothy about these false teachers and their wrong use of the law, he is slowing down and he is reflecting on how God's grace has changed his own life. And this is something that we all need to do on a regular basis. Even now as we come to celebrate Christmas, we all need to remember how, because of Jesus, God has changed us. How now, that because we are in this new relationship with His Son, because we find motivation for more growth and change, more motivation to, to want to change, 
and remembering what God has done for us in salvation. Because as Paul's reflecting here, the result was he had this overflowing heart of gratitude. This overflowing heart that's bursting with gratitude for all the change in his life. This really made him a thankful guy. And look at what he's specifically thankful for. First, he's thankful for the strength God gave him. We know that Paul experienced a lot of hardships and trials in his ministry, didn't he? His experience as a new follower of Jesus and a servant of the gospel was marked by great suffering. But through all those experiences, he received the strengthening grace he needed to serve God. God made it clear that the only way Paul could endure all of this was because of the strength he provided. Paul knew first then what it meant to be weak. What it meant to feel as if everything in life was going against you. As if everyone is turning against you. He definitely had all the stories to tell and all the scars to prove it. But at the same time, he knew firsthand because of that weakness, he was strong. He was strong. Which is a different perspective, right? What a change to understand weakness and suffering. Because he says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10, For the sake of Christ then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Because everything Paul does now is linked to Jesus. Which is true for everyone here who is a true believer in Jesus. Because maybe that's been your 2021. Many of you can testify to this reality that when you are at the lowest point in your life, when everything seems to be so difficult and going against you, you are actually more dependent on the sustaining grace of God. Which causes you to throw all your weight on God's grace because that is where we find the sustaining power that comes from God. Because part of the process of change is when God brings us to these weak moments so that we can turn to Him and trust Him for every detail that we're going through. So we come to a place of total dependency on Him. Because the reality of change involves not relying on our own strength, but relying on the strength that God provides for us in Jesus. But what we see is that Paul wasn't only thankful for the strengthening grace, second, Paul was also thankful for the privilege of serving God in the first place. Because God judged him faithful, appointing Paul to his service. Middle of verse 12. In other words... Paul was amazed that God entrusted him enough with the message of change that everyone needed to hear. Later in his letter to Timothy, again in 2 Timothy 4.17, he writes, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. But it kind of makes sense, right? That Paul would be shocked that, that he would have this responsibility. Because of who Paul was and what he did before he became a Christian. That is the gospel change that he goes on to reflect again in verse 13. He says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Now you remember we talked about this in Galatians, Paul's radical conversion in Galatians. 
How he went from this life of, a, of zealous Judaism to an apostle of grace. Called by God himself on the Damascus road. And Paul repeatedly talks about this colorful background of his as this violent sinner who opposed Christianity, who opposed Jesus himself as he was physically hurting God's people. But this dramatic change in his life came how? You see, Paul wasn't called to God's service to suffer for his namesake because Paul had proved himself to be worthy of some sorts. The point he's trying to make is that he was not worthy to receive any grace and no one is worthy to receive any of this grace. Everything about his life before Christ showed that he was unable to change himself. And then he says, But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Ignorantly in unbelief. Why did Paul receive mercy? Well, part of the answer he gives here is because he acted ignorantly in unbelief. In other words, before Paul became a Christian, he did not realize the full extent of what he was actually doing. Because he genuinely thought he was busy serving God. By being so zealous for the Jewish religion. By opposing those who embrace the Messiah. But Paul is not making excuses here. That didn't make him less guilty, did it? What is the point that Paul's trying to make here? He's trying to point out that there's this difference between this willful opposition to what God commands and actions that come from a lack of knowledge. Because according to the Jewish thought, there was no sacrifice sufficient to atone for the arrogant sin of an unrepentant person. But Paul, he could receive mercy because his ignorance meant that he didn't fall into that category. We see this in Numbers 15, 29. You should have one law for him who does anything unintentionally. For him who is native among the peoples of Israel. And for the stranger who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything with a high hand. High hand. In other words, who does it that knows it's wrong, but he does it anyway. Whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. See, what Paul wants to make clear is that the real reason he received mercy is because God is merciful. God is merciful. It's only because of who God is. Paul said the same thing in Titus 3 verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So God made Paul in his sinful, miserable, self-righteous ignorance, and he mercied him. Have you been mercied by God? Paul didn't receive what he deserved. God didn't give Paul what he deserved. God doesn't give us what we deserve, because that would have been death, right? He rather gives that for his son. It's only because of God's mercy and grace that Paul, who was once blind, could now see. Who was once lost, could now be found and be found in the service of God. With a heart that recognizes what he has received. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
See, the word overflowed here means that we get more than we need, we need, right? Paul did not only receive grace, he also received faith and love. And only the faith and love, but faith and love in abundance. We read earlier how Paul said that those false teachers actually turned away from faith and love in verse 5. But in contrast to that, Paul himself received faith and love when he understood who the one is that we celebrate at Christmas. Paul received faith to replace his unbelief. He received love to replace his violent heart. And that is what we call change. Change. And this is true of everyone here today who has been changed by the grace of God. If you are a true believer here today, then the celebration of Christmas is reminding you of who, how there is nothing in you that made you worthy to be saved. That you were opposed to God. That you were hating God. But then God showed His mercy in His Son Jesus. And you also receive this overflowing reality of grace, faith and love. It's not just that it's a cup full, but it's this ocean of supply through Christ and what He's done on our behalf. Martin Luther, he said it like this. Just as the sun is not darkened by the whole world enjoyed its light, and could indeed light up ten worlds, just as a hundred thousand lights might be lit from one light and not detract from it, just as the learned man is able to make a thousand others learned, and the more he gives, the more he has. So is Christ our Lord, an infinite source of all grace. So that if the whole world would draw enough grace and truth from it to make the world all angels, yet it would not lose a drop. The fountain always runs over, full of grace. What Paul is saying here is one truth that we have really come to love as a church. And that is the words of Romans 5.20. We sang about it. Now the law came to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Christmas is reminding us that grace increases the more we need it. And because of Jesus, there's always more to come. There's always more to come. You see, God's grace is not only an ample supply, but where grace abounds, we know that faith and love also abounds. And so we see here that Christmas reminds us to be thankful for the reality of change. Because it reminds us that because of Jesus, we are not the same anymore. We are different people. Thankful for salvation. Thankful for how God has saved us from our former lives. Where we opposed Him. Where we were not interested in Him. Where we had no interest in changing. Thankful that you're not the same person anymore. And that you are now so thankful for such change in your life that you recognize that God has called you to His service as well. Whether you're folding the laundry packing chairs, cleaning the garden, counseling with others, helping in the children's ministry, planting a new church. Whatever you are doing, we need to be thankful, like Paul, that we have the high privilege of serving God. But Christmas also reminds us that we need to be thankful for being changed so much by God that He now entrusts us with this message as well. Which brings us to number two. Christmas reminds us 
to be thankful for the message of change. Because what is the message that causes so much change? Verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. See now, to point out how important this next verse is, Paul must give it a, give it a bit of an introduction to it. It's like how Jesus would have said, Truly, truly, I tell you. And Paul's version is a little different, but he has the same punch to it. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. In other words, if there's one message today that you can bank on with everything you got. The one headline that stands out about all other headlines. The absolute truth, then it's this one. If there's one truth that has the power to change people, then it's this one. And what is this message? What is this headline? That Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? He came into the world means this is the incarnation, right? God became man. God leaving the glories of heaven. For what purpose? Why did He come? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is the headline of our hearts. This should be the headline of our church. This is what Jesus said Himself in Luke 19.10, that for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So what this means is that the message of Christmas reminds us that we are all sinners. Christmas reminds you that you're a sinner. Which means that Jesus didn't come to give you the gift of a better life. He didn't come to give you the gift of a problem-free life. He didn't come to give you the gift of a pain-free life. Jesus came to give you the gift of eternal life. And the only people who qualify to receive this gift are who? It's those who have sin, right? You see, the world doesn't think this way. We are used to filling out forms to see if we qualify to get money from the bank. Do we qualify to get all these extra benefits? But what God is saying is that you don't have to earn anything. Because all you need to do uh, to qualify is to be a sinner. And guess what? That's you. You are a sinner. So what Paul has indicated to us is that, that the grace changes us. The more we understand in this life, how sinful we really are. Because for many people, they don't want to think about themselves in this way. They don't like it to know that they do things wrong. They don't like the reality that they don't always get things right. Which means people don't like to see themselves for who they really are. Which kind of happens when people don't read God's Word anymore. When they don't study His law. Because how does the Bible describe us back in chapter 1 of First Timothy, verse 9? Paul said to Timothy, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for who? For the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unlonely and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. The Ten Commandments are all over these verses. For murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. People don't like to think of, of themselves in this way. And people get into this pattern of their life where 
they end up not being in fellowship with other believers anymore. When they start to neglect the grace in their lives. When they don't reflect on how God is at work in their lives. But for Paul, the message of Christmas changed all of that. Because the more he understood God's love and His grace, the more he was able to say that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. In other words, Paul is saying that his perspective was that when it came to the lineup of all the sinners in in one row, he's number one. He's first in line. Because that is what the law of God does. It shows you how sinful you truly are. And the grace of God in Jesus shows you how the only way you can be saved from all of that sin is by trusting completely in someone else. Full acceptance on the fact that you are not that good person you think you are. And that Jesus and His grace is actually way better than the Bible tries to explain it because Paul is not saying he is the worst of sinners or the first of sinners as some sort of false sense of humility to draw more attention to himself. Paul has come to sincerely realize who he is apart from Jesus. Like in 1 Corinthians 59, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But he doesn't end there, does he? What does the next verse say in verse 10? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. Please, church, let the grace of God not be in vain in your life. Paul is overwhelmed by the grace of God. But look at what Paul says specifically. He doesn't say, I was the worst of sinners. Or, or which I was the foremost. He says he still is the worst of sinners. As Paul is growing in grace and growing in faith and love, he grew in the knowledge of understanding his own heart. That's true again of any believer who is busy changing each and every day and every year as we reflect on the grace of God. As we think of the message of Christmas, we come to understand more and more the depth of our own brokenness. Because saving Christianity can never leave you with a sense of, you know, I've got this. I've arrived. Everything's fine. Because the moment you grow comfortable with your sin is the moment you think you don't need Jesus anymore. It's the moment you don't think you need grace anymore. It's usually the moment you don't think you need to change anymore. Because as we think about the message of Christmas, it reminds us of who we really are. We are sinners. Sinners who qualify to receive the mercy of God. But it also reminds us of who we have become. How much we have already been changed by God's grace. And Paul is the example here. That God can take the best, uh, the worst, and make a good thing out of a bad situation. Verse 16, he tells us why he received mercy from God. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
What is Paul saying here? He's basically saying that God showed him this mercy to take someone that was so opposed to Jesus like he was. And God changed him in such a fundamental way that, so that he would become an example to the rest of us. An example that no one is beyond the grace of God. That no one is beyond the possibility of changing. Which gives us all the hope in the world, doesn't it? Gives us all the hope in this world. Every Christmas we are reminded, not only that we can change, we are reminded that God can change anyone. Because the message of Christmas is that no sinner is beyond the grace of God. No neighbor, no family member, no government official, no classmate, no country with all its corruption and abuse. Everyone and anyone can be changed by the message of change. And one of the reasons that is true is because God is patient. God is patient. God shows His perfect patience, Paul says, in using His life as an example to draw others to Jesus. And God might be doing that in your life as well. He has saved you and He has called you to His service and He will use you because the more you change, the more you let go your grip on this world and you rather cling to Jesus with both hands, the more your life will be a testimony of grace and patience of God. Think about it. The more you worship God exclusively, the more you worship Him biblically, the more you worship Him by honoring His name, the more you worship Him by resting in His grace. We can go on and on with the Ten Commandments, but the more you change, the more others might be convinced that they need to change as well. The message of Christmas comes with opportunity. An opportunity to make our Savior visible to the world. Through His changed people living changed lives. You see, Jesus' power and His eagerness to save anyone would turn to Him in faith, both informed and drove Paul's missionary heart. I mean, Paul believed this with his whole being. There was no doubt in his mind that God could save anyone. Why? Because he knew the death of Jesus was sufficient. It was sufficient to atone for any sin. He also knew that when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, He gives you His perfect righteousness. And so no one is out of reach for God. But also as we think about how the message of Christmas changes us, it also changes the way we serve, right? It changes the way we serve. Because if you have sensed your own brokenness, and all the grace that changed your brokenness, what should that produce? That should produce humility in us, right? Humility. It should cause us to serve with the right attitude because the reality that drives me this Christmas and every other day of the year is that God has saved me. And if He can do that in my life, He can do it for anyone. Which also means I'm not banking on how well I did this year. I'm not putting my confidence in, in my efforts and how much I think I've changed. Maybe you get discouraged because you're not changing as fast as you like, as you like, or as much as you want. I'm going to bank rather on the message, the truth that Jesus came into this world to save and change sinners, and I am one of those sinners. 
Christmas reminds me that Jesus is not done with me. Christmas reminds me that Jesus is not done with me. But let me ask you, have you ever come to see yourself as this kind of sinner? When you think about Christmas, do you see that change is really possible? Real change happens when you recognize that you are a sinner who needs to change. That even as you come to true salvation in Jesus, that you recognize that you are still a sinner, but a sinner that is being transformed every year, every day, into the image of Jesus. And all that truth is causing us to worship, like Paul did. Because that is what Paul does next. Christmas reminds us to be thankful for the reality of change. It reminds us to be thankful for the, for the message of change. And it also reminds us to be thankful for the agent of change. Number three, Christmas reminds us to be thankful for the agent of change. This section from verse 12 began with this moderate thanksgiving. But now Paul bursts out in this doxology, this outburst of worship. And we can see the sense of this, this inner rush of gratitude and how it lays hold of his heart to such an extent that he cannot contain it any longer. He must express it outwardly. And so he bursts out and he says, To the King of the Ages, verse 17, Immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You cannot think about the grace of God and not worship you cannot think about the change of God in your life and not stop to worship. You see, it could be easy for Paul's testimony to be uh, about change, to become all about him. But Paul directs the glory to where it needs to go. He directs the worship for his change to where it needs to be. In this one verse, he points out who the true agent is that causes this change in our lives. The one who deserves all our worship. For sending His Son so that we can live different, God-glorifying lives. And he mentions four different descriptions of God here. The first one is the King of the Ages. The King of the Ages. In one sense, we have a description here that helps us know who is in control and for how long He will be praised because He's in control. Paul praises God for change because God is the King who rules over the whole universe. But God is not only the king of the universe, He is the king over every age, every time period, every point of time there will ever be. In other words, God ruled over everything in the past. He rules everything, everything in the present. And He's going to rule over everything in the future. This was true of your past change. This is true of your present change. And this is going to be true of your future change. The second one is immortal. The word immortal means incorruptible. It means that God, unlike the milk you left outside last night, will not decay. God does not have a best before date because God only has a best always date. Which means God is different from everything else we find in this world. The planet itself is deteriorating. Our bodies are deteriorating. Corruption has infiltrated everything. So many things in life fall apart. People, families, relationships, society, as we've seen it this year, with all the corruption and looting. But we worship the God 
who never changes, who can never become corruptible, because God does not become less powerful, less loving, less just, less righteous, less holy as time goes by. He is always loving, He is always just, He is always holy, and He is always powerful. And there's still a work in your life causing you to change. This is the one that's in your corner. The third description in Paul's worship is God is invisible. It sounds a lot like what he describes later to Timothy in chapter 6, verse 16. He says, He lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. Remember we talked about Moses and how he wanted to see God's glory. But God only revealed to Moses his name. Elisha wanted to see God and he only saw the chariot and horsemen of Israel. But not the God of Israel. 2 Kings 2.11 But just because God cannot be physically seen apart from Jesus, doesn't mean He cannot be known. God has revealed something of Himself in everything He has ever made. And that includes you. We talked about this. In other words, we can know more about God as we see how He is at work in someone's life. We see the invisible God showing glimpses of His glory when we see His changing people live changed lives, live holy, God-fearing lives. And the last description Paul gives here is that He is the only God. The only God. We saw this when we studied the first of the Ten Commandments, that this is how the law of God is shaping the, the worship of Paul here, because he is worshiping God exclusively. As Isaiah said, Isaiah 45, 18, I am the Lord, and there is no other. But here's what Christmas reminds us. It reminds us that when we talk about that baby in a manger, we are talking about the King of the Ages, who has stepped out into our age. The immortal one who became mortal for us. The invisible one who became visible for us. The only God who became fully God and fully man for us. And reminds us to be thankful for change because it is only through Jesus that God finally changes us completely one day. So that we will be under His rule in the age to come. That we will be immortal as we worship in His presence, never to die and be corrupted by the sin of this world again. That we will be in His presence and we will worship Him alone for all eternity. And so think about it. Christmas is the time to remember and to reflect that change is possible. This Christmas, we need to be thankful for the reality of change. And so let me ask you, are you? Are you? Can you see how God has changed you? Have you come to a point in your life where you are totally convinced that the only way you can change is by faith in what Jesus has done? And if you are a believer in Jesus, can you see how God is continuing to change you? Does your life look different from a year ago? Do you actually know the areas you want to grow in? Are you serving God with a thankful, thankful heart, seeing it as a privilege that you can serve Him at all? And thankful for the strength that He has provided for you this year.
this Christmas we need to be thankful for the message of change. That Christ came into the world to save sinners. But the question is, do you still see yourself as a sinner? Do you see yourself as a sinner? And does the fact that you see your sin make you more thankful that God has not done with you yet? That He wants to keep changing you to be more like Jesus. And that God can save anyone because He saved you. And so what is your prayer life going to look like this Christmas? For who are you going to pray? Who needs to hear this message of change? This Christmas, we need to be thankful for the agent of change. To know that the king of the ages, the the immortal, invisible, the only God of this universe, is so committed to your change that he will send his only son so that you can know him. So that you can be forgiven of every single sin you've ever done. The message of Christmas is reminding us that change is possible. Not by your own works, but by the cost of the life of Jesus. And by the grace and power of God that work in your life every day through His Holy Spirit. Let's go into this Christmas season worshiping God for the gift of change. And let's go into this Christmas season worshiping God for the gift of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we can slow down and reflect again on all the grace you have poured out in our hearts this year. Lord, help us to do that. And Lord, as we think about all the grace you've bestowed on us, it should cause us to worship like it did Paul. Worship you for the change you brought into our lives. To be reminded that you came for the sinner. You sent Jesus to save sinners. And Lord, we are sinners. Thank you that we can look back at our past lives and see how much you are changing us more into the image of Jesus. Help us to be aware of of the areas we need to grow in. As we come to study your word, as we study your law, may it be that mirror that helps us see who we really are. So it points us again to that grace we find in Jesus. Thank you that as we come to celebrate Christmas, We come to celebrate the King of the Ages, the Immortal One, the Invisible One made visible, the only God, the God that is for us so much so that He wants us to change, that He would sacrifice His only Son. Thank you that we can leave here today reflecting on the fact that change is possible. That there are people around us who need to hear this. Hear this truth. No matter what their background is, no matter what they've done, Jesus is ready to forgive them if they would come repentantly, trusting in what He has done on their behalf. We thank You that we serve the God who serves. May Christmas be one that we understand that our hearts overflow like always. Overflows with grace and faith and love so that we can be your witnesses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.